Hello, and welcome to Mindful Warrior Radio. My name is Cami Craig. I'm a former elite athlete and Olympic champion turned performance and culture design coach at Mindful Warrior. And I'm your host of Mindful Warrior Radio. Mindful Warrior Radio is a space we created to connect with incredible humans to share brave stories, authentic insight, and real knowledge. We're so happy to have you joining us. On this episode of Mindful Warrior Radio, we welcome New York-based recording artist, writer, and lecturing professor, Mike Errico. Mike has built his name on the strength of critical acclaimed releases and extensive compositions for film and TV. He teaches songwriting at universities, including Yale, Westlane, The New School, and NYU's Clive Davis Institute of Recorded Music. In addition to his performing and teaching careers, Mike's opinions and insights have appeared in publications including the New York Times, CNN, the Wall Street Journal, Fast Company, The Observer, and his newly published book, Music, Lyrics, and Life, a field guide for the advancing songwriter. We are thrilled to have Mike joining us on Mindful Warrior Radio, and I want to invite him in with a warm welcome. Welcome, Mike Errico. Welcome, Mike. It is so awesome to have you on Mindful Warrior Radio. Um, I'm excited to pick your brain on your world and learn more about who you are and what you do and how you're showing up in the world. Yes, I am both mindful and a warrior. We love that. This is the place for you, then. Maybe? <laughs> I don't know. Well, we'll I don't know. I've never it. seen them both in the same room. What's that? I said, well, we'll explore it here today. So um, <laughs> maybe, maybe we, maybe it's all in the room right now It's for yes. us to discover. <laughs> so I, Mike, I want to start with asking you, I think we're all kind of born with these gifts, right? And it's only a matter of time before we discover them. And I want to ask you, when did you start noticing or realizing that you had gifts in, um, songwriting, storytelling, performing. I mean, you wear a lot of different hats. You're a teacher, you're a teacher, you're teaching. But when did you start realizing that you had a knack or gift in what in what you do? Um I I might actually have to uh contradict you a little bit on 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 your uh, your glowing uh review of of my life or whatever, but um as I put in the book um i was born backward like i was born as a breech birth Mm -hmm. which is a ass first birth yep Uh, and the joke in the family is that i never quite turned around (laughs) and now fast forward to like yesterday right okay (laughs) i'm talking i'm talking to my wife about something to do with promotion for the book whatever and she said something like you just don't want to admit how good you think you actually are right so it's like that's a different kind of thing like so to answer your question i don't think i came out like busted out like i'm the new you too or whatever you know what i mean like i never sort of had that sort of feeling i think i sort of had the opposite which was like um 
wow, this is a really fast car. I better keep it at 55 miles per hour or something. Cause like, sure. then I'll just draw attention, you know? Um, cause I think that I'm more introverted. Mm -hmm. I'm just going with this, by the way, I, I don't, this just happened yesterday. Okay. So like, I'm still processing. So it's good to just record the process. And then, um, and then, so I'll never be able to live it down. Um, <laughs> but like, I just, um, I backed into songwriting is what basically what happened. There's a, a, I'm part of a family that we have like various talents. And my father is a great pianist and my mother is an artist. And so there was, it was all around, Yep. but that's really warping also. Cause like if your mom's an artist mm -hmm. and you make a little pinch pot in like fourth grade or whatever, and you bring it home, it's like, it's just not the coolest thing in the house. Right. Yeah. Because like yeah. mom's been working in marble, you know, and like has this big, whatever that's sitting there and you're like, so, you, so there's no way to get perspective. Right. In a, in a, in a place like that. Um, so there's, you know, especially also the places where I've, I've met, you know, uh, Cornelia, you're the co-creator of your, uh, of the podcast and stuff like that. Like the circles, that we run in i mean they're those are mindful warriors by the way i don't know i'm a mindful i don't know what but i i'm mindful yes i'll do that yeah but um, but these are mindful warriors you know so it's a very warping kind of thing so like um i kind of backed in mm -hmm. to song because i had musical talent but literally my dad took a popular music songwriting course and hated it but didn't want to get the money back but we have the same name. So I like just went. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and the, the people were like, uh, you look different. You have you lost weight <laughs> or 40 years or whatever, you know, like, right. Um, and, uh, and so that's how I got into songwriting, you know, because yeah. I was too afraid to write songs because I was like, no, who would ever want to hear me? Who would ever even want to listen? So what I wanted to do was be a guitar player okay. and a, side person right mm -hmm. i didn't want the microphone because it was too much yes. like no one would ever listen to me um and then i got into just a bunch of terrible bands and they were terrible and we would get booed off stage and like everything was horrible but i started meeting the club owners and i was like you know what i think maybe i could do this yeah and then I, that's how a career developed completely ass backward so um and that is how teaching started. And that's how the book started because the teaching, I was invited to speak at a school mm -hmm. and I was like, I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. I have nothing to tell anybody, whatever. And so our mutual friend, Kevin booked me. Um, and I went and I spoke and I was like, this is the most amazing thing ever. So then I started teaching and then I was like, well, there's no good books. <laughs> so it's like, Oh my God, I have to write the, a book that's yes. going to think about the anyway so everything is backward so how did you find your skill or whatever it's completely like i was looking one way and i got run over by it yep yeah no and it sounds like a series of courageous steps of like i can't do this but here i am um and you continued yeah. to show up and i would imagine that yeah. there was a passion or a love or a curiosity that kept you going along this like 
breadcrumb yeah. trail of, okay, well, what, what's next or what else could I do or how else could I expand this? Or like, this is kind of neat, you know, even to the point of what your wife shared with you just last night, as you said, we're just, we're kind of processing this is, yeah. you know, it sounds like that, that voice has kind of been in the back of your head of like, but, but why me? Why? Like what makes me enough to show up in this space and do the things that you're now doing? Right. Um, and I've always, I've always loved that, particularly to segue to you mm -hmm. a little bit in athletics, because you kind of have to figure it out like early. Right. Right. I mean, uh, my brother-in-law is a tennis person and, you know, he uh, retired at 30. Right. Yeah. Right? You kind of have to, yep. you know. Um, so if you didn't figure it out. I didn't I didn't write my first song till I was 26. Wow. Yep. Right. So to put it in perspective, Hendrix and Kurt Cobain, they're all Janis Joplin. They all died at 27. Right. 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 So my first song was the year before that. So wow. um, it took that long for me to find it. But like athletes, prodigies, things like that, they um, I do feel like they are struck by lightning. Also, religious figures right. uh, religious people i have a friend who's a um who's a priest mm -hmm. and i was like wow how did you find that out he's like well i was in high school and like god came to me and like wow. we had a we had a thing yeah we had a meeting. i was like i've never had a thing yeah that's like, really never showed up. And well and it's so interesting like even just you speaking about both your mom being an artist and your dad being in a musician and in the musical world and having these influences like this was the space in which you grew up i'm the only right. athlete in my family neither of my parents are athletes my two older brothers are not athletes and it was kind of like we've got this kid with this crazy energy what are we going to do with her throw her in a pool and let her run the hamster wheel and then yeah. that, that was, it. it was like by chance, it was to help manage energy that I became, yeah. you know, in an athlete and competing on the largest stage, which is, yeah. which is interesting to have that perspective of like, I never had a secondary coach or a third coach, right? My parents never tried to coach me. It was like, show up, commit to the team, follow through. And then it was like, let's make sure like you rest enough and you eat enough. And that was it. And it right. was really it's almost, it was spacious in the way that maybe you felt you didn't have the space or, or it was like, I brought the pinch pot home and my mom, like, cool, you know, like put the pens in it. It sits in that corner now for the rest. Of the I, I'll be to right. Yes. Right. So um, it's just interesting that influence and how that might impact us, you know, as younger kids, or maybe the things that you had access to that you didn't even realize um, were developing you so greatly along the way. Um, I mean, there are so many things that I had to discover along the way that me and my parents, we had no idea, right? But it, here you are kind of almost supported naturally, uh, whether you want it or not, um, yeah. in this space. What comes up for you there? What I'm thinking is just the pool. I'm like, I keep thinking about your pool. I'm like, because I used to love working out as a swimmer. Like, mm -hmm. I thought it was the greatest thing ever. The problem was swimmer's ear. Yep. was a problem for me because it would hurt or whatever and no music right so they were kind of working on i think you know headphones that you could hear yeah. underwater it doesn't sound it doesn't sound right whatever but it's incredibly lonely mm. and i was like wow like it was it was a very lonely i was a single person at the time yeah which means i was 
a, a lot of laps. I mean, it was like, I was in. Yeah, you were really just putting it out there. I was in suspiciously good shape, yeah. you know, um, and, uh, and, uh, but it was very lonely. And then I was thinking to myself, you know what? I haven't felt that way since writing a book. Also equally quiet and lonely and rhythmic as well. I mean, that's the sound of the, um, of the, of the swimming. It's, it's very weird. So I was thinking like you go to this high stage like that. I'm thinking about the 5 a.m. I don't know what your stroke was. What is your, was your, were you a freestyler? I, sw- I swam them all, but primarily when we're doing swim sets, we're like grinding through freestyle. Yes. Yeah. You strike me as a butterfly person. I don't know why. I, what well, that is like, that's the torture stroke. That's like the punishment stroke. If you're bad, you're swimming butterfly. So I have really, no, I'm not connected to butterfly. In fact, get it away. <laughs> an extreme stroke. Yes, it is uh, an extreme stroke. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah. So it was a very lonely but but also very meditative and, yeah. and contemplative kind of kind of thing. You you can go into crazy places well, when you are when you are swimming yeah. or writing. Yes, yeah. I mean, tell me a little bit about that that writing process for you. You published a book last year, "Music, Lyrics, and Life: A Field Guide for Advancing Songwriters." Tell me a little bit about this kind of meditative, rhythmic lonely, isolated. I mean, you really painted a a beautiful picture of what it can be like to swim in a pool and or write a book. So how how does that connect to writing a book for you? Well, um, I, I knew a person in high school who was one of these, like, couldn't go to class, couldn't go to sports because she was an Olympic level person, whatever. I think backstroke was her thing. Um, but anyway, what's happened since then for me is that I wake up at the at these early crazy hours mm-hmm. and uh, journal, right? Which is a very quiet moment. I like have my coffee pot on like, so it like pops at like 5.30 or whatever it yes. is and it's ready to roll, you know, like an idling Batmobile. Yes. Um, <laughs> and like, so I'm ready to ready to roll. And it's like, until everybody wakes up, I have this, I go in the pool, basically, yep. you know, and I uh, do this um, and I do whatever, whatever happens, whatever comes out and, and all of that. So the book actually came out of those journals. Um, yep. And it's one of the main things I talk about doing um, in the book, but also in my class, I make it mandatory um, that they journal and get these raw ideas out. Yes. You know. You know, when you're swimming, you can't do that. I mean, you can run out and open the page and it's all soaking wet and you need like some sort of waterproof crayon to put your idea down and then shove it back to the, the side of the pool. But what I, so those moments, I think the pushback that I get from my students mm-hmm. is like, A, that takes so much time. B, it's so lonely. C, like I have nothing to say. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not lonely because you're with everyone and everything you've ever had. Sure. All of that stuff. You don't know what you have to say because you're not writing it down. You wouldn't, once you start, you only get to do things by doing things. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So like I tell them that like writing uh, is a muscle and journaling is going to the gym, you know? Um, And it, which is a very swimming thing to say, I suppose as well. Um, so those kinds of uh those and it takes time 
yes, it takes time, right? Mm -hmm. And it takes prioritizing and the prioritizing shows your commitment. Right. You know, I have this crazy thing about them being late, like telling them like lateness is not lateness. Lateness is your commitment to whatever it is you're late for. That's right. You know, and it happens to me and I get on myself as much as I get on anybody else. Um, and, uh, and I really try to get them, uh, to admit. And if they're late enough, I tell them to leave the class, yeah. not because I don't want them there, not because I don't think I can teach them anything, because it seems obvious to both of us, right? That they don't want to be here. Right. They're telling me by being late. They're telling me I want, other, I want to do other things. I'm prioritizing a sandwich or a cup of coffee right. or a cup with a, whatever which is great and i say this in the book as well like if you don't want to do this don't absolutely right? if you don't want to get in the pool <laughs> don't get in the pool the pool doesn't care you you won't you know? be able to do it i mean the resistance that you meet something that's already challenging and asking something of you is going to make it impossible there's got to be a want and a why deep within to be able to show up and accomplish these things hugely and like someone asked me why do you write and i was like that is a boring question for one <laughs> but but somebody asked somebody interesting that question about painting i think it was like mark rothko or something like that like why do you do this and he was just like you know what i like the smell of paint that's it yeah and just like, i like the act you know yes so like perhaps you like chlorine or a semi salinated <laughs> kind of liquids maybe that's kind of what you're into um but i kind of like waking up in the morning i i'm very particular about buying my pens yes they have the the little uh you know little grip on them mm -hmm. i like nice they're a good speed like i've gotten crazy about the what the pen is whatever because it's just the act is enjoyable yes right so this book is like took years and years of course and drafts and drafts right. and i you know it went from and i talk about this in the book as well but like it, it used to be one thing it was a memoir then it was this then it was a half and half and then it was like something about george bernard shaw for a while and like it was just it was completely insane and it finally fell on this thing and like so the question is what had you survived the drafts yeah why didn't you give up everything was going wrong right right you are you the you are the perfect failure you know at this you, and no one would ever you know feel bad for you or or sympathize in, in, a, in a bad way right because like well he tried to write a book and it didn't work out but like why did you keep going so why is there is no answer i like the smell of paint right right you know and and so and and that's really where people when they ask the question that's where people just get off the boat right they're just like i don't understand that i, d I don't understand the smell of painting and i was like well of course you don't but you probably have something that's like that in your life that, that you're into it yeah yeah i it, it's really interesting so i think you know holding this space having having the coffee waking you up holding the space having your quiet morning journaling and putting those what you your words as your raw thoughts on paper and really 
empowering your students to do the same thing. And I think what stood out to me when you were explaining that is, you know, your students pushing back and saying, well, I have nothing to write, but this idea of stillness and being still enough until it comes in and it comes through. And I believe there's something to that stillness that allows whatever to come up and have the material to be able to put those raw thoughts on paper, to be able to have something move through you, through the pen and onto the paper. And this kind of brings me to the question of maybe the flow and the space and and the time held for you is quite enjoyable. And that's your why in some ways, but there's and kind of can be an intense discomfort in stillness. And when we're talking about putting raw emotions and thoughts on paper, there's an immense amount of vulnerability. And I had some curiosity about one, the level of vulnerability to put the words on paper, like your process of vulnerability, like the depths of vulnerability you have to get to, to one, get the, pull that out of you and get the words on paper, but then the vulnerability of sharing it. So there's like two different ways. There's like the vulnerability of going deep and within and the vulnerability of pushing out and sharing with the world. And I want to kind of ask you like, what has been your experience around that? How do you teach it? How has that manifested for you? Right. Well, there's a third prong to that, okay. right? There, Tell me. There's the manif- whatever, the manifesting it on, onto the page or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's sharing it. And then what I found out is that there's also uh, who would want it? Right. Is it publishable? Is it like you, I can share like all my loves and blah, blah, blah. Who, yes. who cares? Right. Um, and I found that out when I went from writing to getting a book deal, right? Yep. Because like part of it was like, well, you know, I'm a recording artist. I've been on the road, man. And like everyone likes to know what it's like. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lot of driving and it's a lot of not very interesting. It's a little bit like, you know, um, delivering for Amazon. Yeah. Uh, only delivering a 45 minute set. I mean, there's like kind of like that. Yeah. Um, but uh so what happened was i wrote these things out and i made them so amazing and interesting to me right um and the people the publishing people were like well who who are you right right (laughs) who cares you know of course you know if you're i don't know michael Sarah or i don't know benicio del toro you can have a egg sandwich and everyone's going to be like wrapped you know going to be like but like you're not interesting so part of the whole thing that was interesting was how to teach and how now you get into a place where it's like well people now at least people who want to learn you know yes are interested in the book everyone is still disinterested in my incredible time in a parking lot in olive garden right. or you know on where in the midwest or whatever um so so okay so backing up backing up to the raw material right like this is where i deal with my students i'm like look just vomit just vomit on the page i I forget who it is it was like is it steinbeck i'm like misattributing everything but it's like uh 
vomit in aisle one, revise in aisle two. There you, you know, go. Yeah. Clean it up. You know. Well, or, let me ask you. Curious, can you tell when your students or even yourself is playing in the tide pools and not diving into the oceans? In yeah. Re- yeah. So tell me a little bit. And again, I think that's. I mean, some of that could be a play on like, whoa, I'm not ready to get that deep or that vulnerable and face myself. And again, there's that like silence and stillness. And I I mean, like this is courageous work that that you're doing. It's a courageous process. So so you're you're inspiring and empowering to vomit it on the page. Right. But what do you do when you realize that vomit's only in the tide pool and not in the deep, deep ocean? Well, you can tell. Mm -hmm. I think I think you can tell, and um, there are tells, mm-hmm. uh, and they happen actually within stories. Like I kind of went viral for me anyway, okay, um, on TikTok by talking about a song where it was like the song was like, "Please don't text me when you're drunk," blah 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 blah. Like, don't text me when you're drunk. And I was like, "Isn't that interesting?" This person wants to want something but interjects alcohol or something that is not invested right in the relationship right so that's a tell that they're not going deep yes right yes you blame the alcohol uh-huh. or blame the bad girlfriend which i have done in songs in in the past whereas the the problem is me what is wrong with me mm. right what what do i actually want you know like what do I want all this drama with the alcohol and the bad girlfriend? Right. Yes, sometimes, but that's a shallow song. It doesn't go super deep. And shallow songs are great. Yes. Top pools are lovely. They can be very, you know, the, Monet made a career out of it or whatever. Right. But, um, but, uh, but I ask them to go deeper and weirder and and scarier. Mm-hmm. And when they do when they do that they get nervous uh and what they start doing is they start singing quieter trying to hide the lyrics right. they try you know they try to hide in other ways mm-hmm. right so there's actual writing ways to hide then there are performative ways to hide um uh so those are those are different places where i'll, I'll like i'll just point it out like zen master yes yeah yeah <laughs> right just like interesting that the alcohol is the problem here and not the fact that the choice that you're making is not you know or whatever you know and and if if the song if they're whispering the song i'm like it's interesting that i am not able to make out the lyrics because i think that they are important to you Mm -hmm. which is why you're singing them so quietly you know like that kind of thing and so i'll try to be chill uh, uh with that on the other hand when someone really makes a move, even if the song is totally destroyed right. or bad or, or whatever, you know, and during the pandemic, it has been a lot of this where it's just like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I can't believe this is life, et cetera, et cetera. Right. The song could be completely shambolic, but like the intent is there. Right. And it's a door. And I will just tell them that is a door. Walk through that. Wow. Whatever that is. Um, Yes, it needs to be revised. Yes, it can be cleaned up. Yes, you'll get on pitch at some point, whatever. But like, that's the door. Like, yep. 
um, because it's real and it's uh, and you can you can tell. Yeah. I mean, it's like one of those things in the same way, like I have been told <laughs> that I'm a false extrovert. Mm. Um, you know, you can tell when you're doing when you're standing in your light. Right. Right. That's the that's the thing. Um, and that was the subject of some of the conversations in the book. I, I, that is, I, it's incredible. And I think again, like I have to lift up the, the courage it takes to do this work. It's like, almost like you're doing public therapy. You're like on the stage, just like open and raw and vulnerable. And you're sharing these words. And, and then again, it's like, it's, it's all of you. And then it's like, are you gonna like it? And do you care? And are you going to listen? Um, Cause it's all of me that I'm giving you. Um, right. I'm curious of, have you found in the work that you've done? And even now, like I've learned with the teaching of others, it's almost easier to teach and tell someone like how to do it. But again, for us to continuously like show up and be in that, have you found ways to show up in your vulnerability over and over again and noticing when you get stuck, because at this point you're you've put in the hours in your craft and it's fine tuning and you're finding your ways to access these things and your own doors to walk through. What has that been like for you? Um, well, I think what you're uh, what you're asking is how to get an environment of vulnerability into the classroom. Right. Like, I think, is that kind of like, well, I, what, I mean, yeah, I think, yes. I mean, one, how, how, what is your rhythm of creating your own space to invite in vulnerability? And then I guess even two, from a, a teaching perspective, like, how do you do that for your, your students? I think we can answer right. both those. Right. Well, I, I would answer with a teacher of my own, which is George Saunders, the, uh, the, the writer uh, who also teaches and I, I interviewed him in the book and he was like well you know what it takes a real moment of maturity to know when you're doing something most beautifully when you can answer the question what do i do most beautifully mm. um so if you're writing a string quartet and everyone falls asleep but it's like your deep therapeutic moment or right. whatever and everyone hates it and in order to, con to console yourself you pick up an accordion, you play polka, and everyone starts dancing and loving it. Well, <laughs> you kind of have to deal with with the fact that your your honest your honest moment that is also the one where people are going to like mm -hmm. or, or or respond to they can be different things. Um, so for me in the classroom, uh, what I try to use I try to use laughter, right? Um, because I think it's very disarming yeah. and it's, it's the tool I have. Like, I'm not yes. going to blow you away with, you know, with my Greek philosophy. I'm just not going to do that. I just don't have Right. That. Right. No. So that's my, I have one skill and it's to, to sort of take the competitive nature of an artistic room, yes. of an artistic classroom, bring it down to some place where we're all laughing, kind of laughing about it, and we're relaxed. Yes, and I, I heard okay. you say, go deep or get weird. And I love that you had two avenues, yeah. and I'm sure there's more avenues than those two, but I loved hearing you say, well, get weird. And I'm like, yeah, I can get weird. That's a lot less intimidating than getting deep, right? Right, but it's also very vulnerable. Like mm -hmm. it, I, was, I was flipping through some social media app or whatever, 
And I was watching, I just flipped across, was uh, David Byrne doing like, you know, this is not my beautiful house, this is not my beautiful wife. Yes. And how he be so jerky and odd and whatever. And he's doing something on Broadway now that's like, that also is just like, it's very out. Yes. And weird. Yes. And so the, the weirdness feels like vulnerability, even if it's theater, you know, mm -hmm. um, it opens people up. Yes. To, to chance, to opportunity and stuff like that. So for me, it's like being funny, trying to be funny, or just trying to be like the goofiest person in the room. I'm certainly the oldest person in the room. So I get, so I can use that. Yes. It's like, what are you kids today? Whatever. Like, and, and sort of over, over dad, the whole situation. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my students was like, uh, really push the dad energy. That that's a great way. Be who you are. Yes. Don't try to be, don't try to be cool. <laughs> you know, don't show up in like a pork pie hat and like you know cool shades or whatever just be a dad i'm like are any of us really even cool let's be honest like we're not so yeah. <laughs> just own ourselves <laughs> yeah and that's cool yeah i think that owning is cool and i feel sorry for my students sometimes because they are so wrapped up yeah. in trying to be cool right and so many of them are really nerdy and many of them in my songwriting class are not going to be songwriters because not because they're not good at it. Mm. Some are great at it, but it's just not. I just can't. They don't want. It. They don't want it. You know. Yeah. They want something. I don't know what it is yet, and they don't know what it is yet. But they want something else. Yeah. Um, and they're going to find it. And now, you know, moving down a couple of years, I'm starting to write recommendations for law schools, for cooking schools, for yep. foreign language you know grants or, mm -hmm. or this kind of stuff and it's because they have found the thing finally yes you know and i th through this process to find something else yes and what i'm hearing is like you you're creating a space of warmth and safety and bringing the dad energy if you will yeah. um but just a, a space to allow individuals your students to really be themselves which is super yeah. powerful and to take what you said, the the competitive energy out of the room and allow for self-discovery, curiosity, uh, a moment to dive deep. I mean, this is, you know, I don't know the title of your course, but it's like, I imagine what's going on in it. But like, I, there's so much more than just the process of learning how to storytell or songwrite or the, I mean, this is a really, it sounds like a self-discovery class to be. I try to make it that. Yeah. I try to make it that because I don't think that everyone's going to be a songwriter. Yeah. Um, but I do want everyone to get something out of the class. If it's songwriting, great, you know, yes. but if it's, if it's not, and you have journaled and I tell them this, if you are journaling, you're up in the morning, you got your coffee, you're doing your thing. And what keeps coming out is like schematics or blueprints for a suspension bridge or, you know, math or, or Greek or whatever it is. Listen to that. Yes. follow that and to be honest like i go and i was journaling and i was you know i was being a singer songwriter and touring and whatever and my journaling was not songs mm -hmm. right? it was it was it's been prose like and so after a while it turns into a place where um uh lyric writing 
becomes too constraining because you want a full sentence. Yes. You know, there's a great story of Susan Howe, uh, who is the mother of a mutual friend. Um, and I'm going to get it wrong, I think, but I believe she started as a painter. And then she started putting words and letters and stuff like that into her paintings. Mm. And then the words started growing and they began to overtake the painting. And now she's a writer. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. Just how things, cool? yeah, things develop and they grow and they mold. And I think like, I'm hearing a little bit of, of that, actually a lot of bit of that in your writing process of like, you just continued to grow and learn. And this is the direction I wanted to go. And I kept moving and, you know, eventually I landed on something that was like, yes, this is actually what I want to share with the world right now. And there's an yeah. audience that will lean into this and needs it. And I feel like I, there's some, there's power in what, you know, and there's, there's an impact in what I'm sharing with this. Um, yeah. Mike, let me ask you this, because we're talking a bit about vulnerability and diving deep. And then, you know, this idea of like, okay, now is it, is it share worthy and who wants to hear it? Let's talk a little bit about authenticity. What is the importance of being authentic in what you're creating? And what's the balance of producing something that the world wants to hear you know, is it important to stay authentic to yourself? Because I, as you can, as you kind of pointed out, like, I can tell when we're playing in the tide pools, and we're not going deep. And it's not really like, you're not really showing up in that vulnerability. But I would imagine like, people could probably sense miles away when you're not being authentic to what you're performing or you're producing. Is that important? Is it not? Like, invite me into that space. Yeah. Um. Well, it's funny because like, I, I, I think that like over, over the course of my own writing, I have, and I get on myself about this sometimes, I will write at different depths, mm -hmm. right? Like I'll write something that's very easy to handle. And then I'll write something that is only I can handle. Right, <laughs> right, I mean? yep. No one comes with me on that trip. Sure. You know, and fine. That's why we make albums with more than one song on them. You know, like that's that's how that used to be. And I, I think will be for a lot of other people in, in the future. Um, but that authenticity is kind of like, it's kind of like what George Saunders said, like uh, in the book, uh, he wanted to be a singer songwriter, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and he was like, I am just not great within the form known as songwriting right so there's there's an inter, there's an interrelationship between your interior raw material mm -hmm. and the form with which you can convey it and translate it outside of your own head sure so he he tried that with songwriting and i was like you gotta be kidding me like you're the greatest storyteller that ever has lived He's right like, yeah but but there's an interrelationship between the sections of songs that I just don't have that. Just all my songs stink. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but if you put me in a, in a world where my voice can thrive, where I can be funny over periods of time and things can grow and things can be in a different world. Um, I'm really good at that. Right. And it, it took a lot of writing for him to find it and he's very uh clear about that and and 
same. I mean, it, it's been the same for me and it's, it's the same for a lot of people. Like it takes, it takes a tremendous amount of just liking the smell of paint right, basically. Right. Uh, to find that authentic sort of moment. Um, and that's why when I get flashes of it in my students, I'm like, hello, yep. I'm going to put a little pin right here for you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> tell you that this may show up 10 years from now. Yeah. Yeah. Or tomorrow, but pay attention to it. Yeah. Because it feels authentic, you know, um, I, I want to just make, while we're talking about this, I, I want to make a small case for inauthentic, Okay. Yeah. you know, because inauthentic is a lot of fun. Masks are hilarious. Yes. And like, you know, costume parties, wonderful. Mardi Gras is a very cathartic kind of feeling. So it's not like we all have to like be Hamlet every minute. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, so th there is an also just a very uh, cathartic uh, uh, release mm -hmm. in, in, in just having fun, Yep. you know, and, and you know, pop music is, is entertaining. Right? Yeah. So there's a lot of entertainment in it. I mean, I, I just said Hamlet, but like Shakespeare did it really well. Yeah. Right. I mean, the real deep moments. And then there was like super bloody scenes. And then there was like, you know, fart jokes. Yeah. So like he, had it he had he knew you know um and lots of other you know lots of other people do as, as well but like that's those kind of balances um there is depth in superficiality as well yeah. you know which is odd but but i think that that's that's something that i try to stay on the lookout for as well because you can go right up your own behind mm -hmm. in, in profundity mm -hmm. and like end up and end up nowhere, you know, no one wants to hear it. Yep. You know, I, there's a different, like, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, I just, I, I, I want to lift up and just uh, the appreciation of like, you know, playing and wearing the masks and being inauthentic and just exploring kind of your range and your boundaries. And I think, you know, I think there's a lot of great things to be discovered and learned and, just to try on, I think, especially as, well, I think it's easy to think about the age of your students in which you're working with and how they're exploring and discovering themselves. But I also think at any age, we can still explore and discover ourselves and learn more about ourselves. And I think, you know, I was thinking about authenticity at the age in which you're teaching and, you know, how that might be a little bit harder to tap into, but the permission to play and have a wide range and discover, you know, who you are, all of those things come into, come into play. And I appreciate your perspective and your, and your awareness of making the classroom a playground uh, to discover yeah. that authenticity. Yeah. Playgrounds are important. Mm -hmm. I take kids to the, funny, I didn't even think of it that way, but I take my kids to the playground all the time. Yes. And I'm like, this is important. Yes. That's why there are playgrounds. Yes. No. <laughs> have them. Oh, my God, because they're important. I get, you know, whatever. Um, what is your so, playground yeah, right now? My playground. Oh my God, so many. I mean, my playground first. My my personal pr playground. My my is is my notebook. Yep. That that's one. I have kids, so my 
we have a couch that is right now in the shape of a fort. Yes. So like, and it was, it has been for a day or so. Um, that qualifies. Yes, that absolutely uh, does. There's a, yeah, there's a lot of play going on and there's a lot of trying to teach them stuff and making them, making them laugh at the same time, mm -hmm. you know, because boy, you know, we're in fractions in fourth grade. And like, if you're not kind of laughing, you're crying yes. a lot. Yeah. It's too much crying. It's like, <laughs> it's just fractions for God's sake. So I try to like lighten up the, the lesson, you know, mm -hmm. and like, I feel like that's all I do all day long is lighten up the lesson, you know, um, but make sure that the lesson's being taught. Yes. You know, they're, they're both, uh, just so important uh, to, to keep, uh, to keep alive. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well said. Um, let's kind of, I want to drop into the topic of flow a little bit, um, and how it pertains to your process. I think, you know, it's interesting because I, it would be easy to fantasize that flow happens when you're performing or you're having your big moment and you're dropping into it and like, and now we're in flow, but right. as an athlete and have done many of trainings and practices away from the big moment, I understand that you can also tap into different flows at different times. I'd imagine your quiet mornings, there's moments of flow far from the finished product, right? Um, yeah. So I, I just want to kind of ask, what has been your relationship with flow with the work that you've done? Um, and how has it shown up for you? Well, it's, it's funny that you say that because it's actually changing. Um, mm. There's an interrelationship between flow and time. And forgive me, I'm in, I am improvising right now because I really haven't thought it all the way through. That's okay. But there, there is a, a relationship between flow and time. I'm sure someone else has thought of this, but there is of course the first thing where there's the, the sensation that time has stopped, mm -hmm. right? Which is like, you know, you look up and it's been 10, you know, four hours or whatever, and you've been, you know, we're doing yes. whatever it is you've um, there's the other type of flow where you have practiced and practiced and done all this kind of stuff or whatever. And the flow occurs when the result of all of that just flows out of you. Yes. Right. Literally flows out. Like I'm thinking in terms of music, but like, you know, you learn all these scales and all these blah and all these different melodies, et cetera. And then you get an opportunity and they just they come out in whatever order they come out in and you get surprised yes. by them like i i took a i took a guitar lesson from uh an older guitar player very you know, like an old guitar player he's like you know i play sometimes and i meet you know old friends and i say hello like in the music mm -hmm. you know like i'm walking by and wow. then i'm in Prague where i was touring in the 50s or whatever and I, like he's like time traveling and space wow. traveling and finding like all these different fragments of ideas, which is not unlike just finding words and phrases and, and bits of stories and such. Um, so there's those kinds of relationships between flow and time. Um, but there's something specific to songwriting that I've been talking and learning about with the students. Um, that the word inspiration is literally to breathe in, to inspire something. And, and one of the people in my book, this guy, Eric Brazilian, who wrote, what if God was one of us? And he mm -hmm. was 
Hooters and would work with Cindy Lauper and all this kind of thing. He was like, the faster this thing is inspired and breathed out, the more uh, natural and more to the core of the inspiration you get. So there's like a speed thing between speed and inspiration. Yeah. So if you ever notice, like you'll 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 see singer songwriters or uh, you know pop stars or whatever, and they'll say things like, "I wrote this in five minutes," you know. <laughs> and you're supposed to be like, wow, what did I do for five minutes? I am like, right. I didn't, do, I, I was just here for five minutes, you know, whatever. But it's not five minutes. It's your whole life. Yes. Five minutes is one part of it. But the second part of it is it's like catching a, catching a bug in a jar kind of thing. It's like mm-hmm. it, the faster it's written, the more, uh, the more connected it is to whatever came to you in this ineffable kind of way, you know? Yes. So the, the faster you, the faster it comes to you and the faster you grab it and put it out, the, the more uh, raw and natural it, it is. And if it surprised you during the writing, it will surprise the listener, reader, and, you know, ingester of whatever it is that you're, that you're doing. That is so that's an yeah. interesting though that's an interesting connection i think just if it if you felt the surprise in what you're doing and you felt like the energy yeah. that it's going to connect to the listener or the audience and it is so neat to listen to you describe flow in your space and how it's so similar to an athletic space as well of you know or just a life space right like an impulse buy yes right you love that. I got this handbag. I don't know. I'm just saying a handbag. I got it because just, I don't know. It just jumped off the shelf. Yeah. Um, I do that in bookstores, right? Yes. Like I'll just pick up a book and it'll, like, it'll just stick to my hand. And I'm just like, you know what? Going to buy it. Going to buy it. Fuck yeah. It. Yeah. Effort. No, yeah. for sure. And I think yeah. like, I mean, there's been times where I've played and I've that where you said like the, where all the things that you've learned, your lifetime of learning is they all connect. And then they they're they're released right and so for me like I've experienced shooting a certain shot that I have repped over and over and over again in hours and hours of training and then it was like the perfect connection the perfect body position the perfect snap to a finish score the goal awesome crowd cheers but I've given myself full body goosebumps because I there was that element of surprise and I knew that I had done something special Right. And I think that is a part of flow where you're not even, you're not like, you're not in it. You're not actively thinking you're just moving through it and then boom, right. It's there. And that is, that's like, I mean, it's like, it's a drug, it's addictive. It's like, okay, I've worked so long to get that feeling of flow and guess what? Now I want to get it again. So let's start from the top and here we go. And we're going to wait and we're going to wait and wait. So it is surprise, right? But it's also convergence. It's like several types of your time, yeah. several times of your life coming together into one sort of weird, sort of miraculous well, kind of time convergence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's, and then you, uh, yes, you want it again. Um, to that end, I, um, another mutual sort of almost mutual friend, couple, couple removed maybe. Um, a fly fisherman named Greg Felt, who works on the Arkansas River, 
uh, in Colorado. And I talked to him about like fishing, mm -hmm. like he takes fishing, he takes people out fishing. And he's like, oh boy, they want to smile and hold a fish up for the picture. Yes. And that's what they want, whatever. But I have to preach to them the patience, like the fish, they come, you know, but you're not guaranteed. Right. I mean, I can tell you, I, I can tell you maybe how to look and that's how to just witness that what's happening environmentally. And, and there are ways you can sort of divine a little bit where the fish, the fish being the inspiration, where that stuff is. Um, but it takes noticing mm -hmm. and it takes time and it takes patience and it takes some solitude or at least some quiet um, in order to notice those things. I mean, he literally got into like, right before something happens, the birds, they, wow. they do something. They, they say a little, they're because they're, they talk to each other. And I think I can understand, you know, I mean, he's been out on the, he's yeah. been on the water for decades, right? So like, you know, the wind is a certain way. Right. Like, how how the clouds look to the fish from under the water and oh my well, god and it speaks to the magic of finding a moment of flow of bringing all those yeah. pieces together that's exactly what it speaks to and it's all of these things divinely working together the connectivity and then boom you're experiencing the a moment um and a moment yeah. that you know is special and it's felt by everyone who's kind of in right. that field with you so and that shot that you took i bet you could I bet you can tell that story, whatever that is. I bet it was a specific, and you'll be able to tell it five years from now. Fish stories, yep. same. People who wrote, you know, a hit song in five minutes. What if God was one of us? Mm -hmm. He's like, I wrote that in the morning. I, I don't know. Where did it come from? I don't know. I would love for it to come back. Yes. I'd love it to show up weekly. That would be amazing. Yes. Um, but some of those big, big hits, you, you'll know because the people who made them never forget yes. and they never stop talking about it because it was magic. Yes. It was a miracle. It was a convergence um, that, that, that happened. So like, you'll be talking about that shot. I have, I have five minute songs yeah. and I'm like, I'll, I'll, I'll remember them forever. The rest yes. Yeah. No. And I, yes. And I appreciate you sharing your experience of flow and, and, Cornelia is writing a book on flow and, you know, breaking it down and explaining it and, you know, maybe giving us words to this magic that we don't quite understand. And so I'm so excited to have everyone kind of read that book and, ex you know, like connect their experience to flow to her words and, and how, and how that's all manifesting. So again, I appreciate you sharing that here. Um, okay. So I want to, we're getting to the end of our time here. Um, okay. and I just, I want to connect to, again, you published a book last year and music mm -hmm. lyrics and life, a field guide for advancing songwriters. What are you hoping to share with the world through this book? Um, I'm, I'm hoping, I mean, there are a few things I'm trying to think of what the core thing is like, there's a, hopefully there's a generosity of spirit in the interactions that are going on mm -hmm. in, uh, in the book itself. It has nothing to do with writing the perfect song. Yes. Like you can go to YouTube and find out the mechanics of a song. And I totally knew that, 
but like the generosity of spirit of conversation with the reader but also with me and other guests that i had on uh on or in yes. uh in the in the book um and hopefully that way of looking and that way of connecting with those people will transfer to any sort of um any endeavor any skill any kind mm -hmm. of uh, part of of living you know um one of the musical lessons i give was given to me by my dad who received it from a guy named uh w edwards deming who reorganized the japanese auto industry after world war ii wow. right yeah like he had an idea but my dad gave it to me generously and i've applied it to songwriting because the generosity is what is the key there voice is the key right mm -hmm. um uh I, I, this is, I'm long winding your answer. Um, okay. but like there are, we, yes, we can edit, um, delete favorite key on the, on the keyword. Um, uh, how do we innovate moving forward? We don't generally innovate via form, right? We, we innovate mostly by what no one else has ever seen before, which is you, you know, which is yourself, which is your own voice, which is your own inspiration and your own take on all the things that we have around us um so that's the place uh where i i hope that that translates you know i hope that generosity translates and i want people to be able to do something that is non-trivial and undeniable in whatever it is they're doing amazing what a gift to give and i i see you thinking about you know how that just kind of unfolded for you in the way that you're sharing and i think it will it will be, well yeah and it will continue i think that's the neat thing about having spaces to talk about the work that you're doing and you know like continuing to like how does this land for you today it'll be different than how it lands for you in five years but there's a core theme at the base of it like and here you are processing that and sharing that and what a gift that is to give um last question here that i love to ask everyone on the podcast is what parts of yourself are you looking forward to developing and why what parts am i looking to develop and why i'm i am don't know hang on <laughs> parts of me i would like to develop i would like to develop my voice uh my my sort of uh it's my voice i don't and i don't know what um uh uh what uh format this voice takes but i think it's like an overall sort of voice mm -hmm. And I would like that to be a fun and generous, but also um, intellectually stimulating voice. And I don't know if it's in song, mm -hmm. in writing, in something else. VR, maybe. I don't even know what that is. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, big headsets. I mean, I, I'm very futuristic. Um, no. Um, but that's what I that's what I want to do and why because it's needed. I think um, 
I do think, and looking through my students' eyes, it's kind of a dark time, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a dark time, right? There's a lot of uh, beauty that is created simply by creating it. You know, we create the world that we want to see, right? Um, and that can happen in the micro or the macro. And this is not a tree hugging kind of thing. You know, I don't, I, I'm certainly not one of those types. Uh, unfortunately, I'm kind of jealous of those. They, they, seem, they seem very, it would be nice. But um, it's a dark time and can be made lighter. It has to be, and it's, it's just a personal, it, it has to be on the, on, the, on the level of the individual. You know, um, I do that in here as me, as a husband, as a father, as a community member. And like it, it has to radiate out that sort of way. So it's that voice that I hope uh, to develop. And those are the reasons why. Well, thank you for, for wanting that and, and pursuing that. It is needed, as you said. I'd also like to lose like five pounds. Would be great. I mean, I'd take me with you on that journey. Let's go. We'll start a workout group and we'll get it going. Um, in the pool. In the pool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. You're like, it's kind of lonely. And I was like, man, if you were hearing the dialogue and the radio that played in my mind the whole time. Yeah. Um, I can imagine. It's, it's a, it's a poppin' radio station, but, um, Mike, I appreciate so much you sharing, being generous with your spirit during this time. Um, and just the spaces that you're creating for self-discovery, curiosity, um, going up against vulnerability and making it uh, a friend, befriending vulnerability, uh, connecting yeah. to authenticity, but also creating a massive space to play and having your own playgrounds and exploring even the sides of you that you're not. Um, and like you said, trying on the different masks and being optimistic and creating creating the spaces and positivity and, you know, spirit in a time that maybe it's not so easily coming, but taking responsibility to do that for yourself and having the ripple effect out of that. Um, it's been wonderful to chat with you here today and we wish you the best of luck. We'll be keeping an eye out on you and all of your endeavors. Um, thank you. And thank you. Thank you for your time. Ah, I appreciate it. It was great. It's great to see you. Awesome. Thank you for joining us today on this episode of Mindful Warrior Radio. I hope you enjoyed this upbeat, funny, and real conversation with recording artist, writer, and lecture professor Mike Errico. Mike and I discussed how he backed into songwriting, his commitment to the practice of journaling to capture raw ideas, the importance of the why and what you're after, how to explore the depths of vulnerability, as well as discover the depths within superficiality, the power of play and laughter, the relationship between authenticity and connection, and the patience that flow demands. If you enjoyed this conversation and want to get more curious about Mike's insights and opinions, please purchase his book, Music, Lyrics, and Life, A Field Guide for the Advancing Songwriter. And thank you so much for your time today and joining us here. 
We look forward to our next discussion on Mindful Warrior Radio. To learn more about Mindful Warrior or Mindful Warrior Radio, please follow us on Instagram at The Real Mindful Warrior and check out our website at www.mindfulwarrior.com. Till next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.